you may be seated. It is great to be with you today. Um, it is not my fault that spring and summer decided to disappear on us so quickly, um, but uh, I was just out in, in the yard yesterday, and there was this moment where it was like, oh my gosh, it just got cold. And I'm like, can May just get here? Can we be done with this? I am done with the cold. I'm done with the jackets. I'm done with all of it. But yeah, spring is, and summer are on its way, and I'm looking forward to, to that. Um, thankful to gather with you this morning. Thankful to, to worship with, with you today. Um, my name is Corey, and I serve as a teaching pastor here at our Plain City campus and uh, continue to see new faces each and every week. And if you're new with us, we're so glad uh, that, that you found us and you chose to be with us today. I um, want to let you know there's a, a handful of helpful resources available to you today. And you can access those by just typing in lpguest.com into your web browser on your phone. That's lpguest.com. Or you can scan that QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. That's going to take you to some message notes for today that you can follow along with us. And you can enter in your own notes and save them for, for later. It will also take you to a digital guest card that takes less than 60 seconds to fill out. At the bottom of that card are five ministries that we're already partnered with. You could pick the one that means the most to you, and we'll make an additional $5 donation to that ministry in your honor. That way you can do something kind just for, for being with us today. Well, we are in our second week of our series called Playlist, and in this series we are in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, and... Um, we titled this series Playlist because much like we create musical playlists for our different moods and emotions and seasons of life, the Psalms encapsulate and they communicate different feelings and failures and hopes and thoughts and emotions and circumstances regarding the writer's situation. And the result is, for, for us, is that the Psalms have something for you. And the Psalms have something for, for me for every season of life that we go through. That's why our, our idea for this, this series is that God writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. That he writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. And within their writings, the, the Psalms show us God's greatness and faithful to, faithfulness to us in our times of need. The Psalms show us that God is guiding his people with a steadfast love. And the Psalms show us that God is far above all, yet he's personally with us in the journey of life. And so each week, we're taking a different look at, at, a, at a genre of one of the Psalms to see how it impacts the Christian life. And today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 42 and 43. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, I want to invite you to go find Psalm 42 and 43 today and, and follow along. We're looking at Psalm 42 and 43 together because most believe when they were originally written, they could have been one Psalm together. Or at the very least, they were meant to be read together at the same time. And Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are a lament psalm. And what's a, a lament psalm? A lament psalm is a song or a prayer given to God in times of trouble, in times of pain, in times of hurt, in times of feeling distant from God or feeling abandoned from, from God. And what's common with psalms of lament is that they generally begin in a negative place. And they begin with, with a, a cry of desperation or a petition to God for, for help. 
But then they, they turn, by the end, they turn back to God in trust and, and thanksgiving. So we're going to jump in with Psalm 42, but as we do, let me pray for us one more time as we just prepare to hear from the word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to be together today. Lord, we're thankful for your word, and I pray that it would speak to us today. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would stir in us what you want us to learn, what you want us to hear in our daily lives. And I pray that we wouldn't just hear today, Lord, that we would be doers of your word, that we would apply um, what you tell us to apply. And so, Lord, would we see encouragement and hope and strength from the text today. Jesus, lead us through this morning. Um, It's all about you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, Psalm 42, some believe, is written by the sons of Korah. You may see that there in in kind of the the heading uh, or the chapter heading there. Um, Others Other scholars like Matthew Henry believe it was written for the sons of Korah to sing. And he believes that that maybe King David actually wrote uh, these two psalms. And it could have been written during the time when his son, when King David's son, Absalom, was trying to kill David. And the result was David had to run and flee for his, his life. And he was exiled from his people. And he was exiled from the house of God, the temple, or the, the tabernacle. But regardless if David was the author or, or not, the heaviness and the relatability of this psalm is the same. So let's begin by, by reading together in, in verse 1. The psalmist writes, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng or the multitude of people and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Now we're going to talk about the first two verses more in a bit here, but in verse 4, the psalmist begins to to describe being far from from home. Being far from home, he's remembering what it was like to to worship God at the house of the Lord, in the temple and in the tabernacle. He's reminiscing what it was like to worship with fellow believers. And right from the get-go, the psalmist begins to, to pour out his lament to God. And this lament is, is his longing to connect with God again, his, his longing to connect with, with God's people again. Simply put, the psalmist here, he, he misses church. He misses worshiping with others. He misses gathering with others and, and singing praises to God with others. And he especially misses the holidays marked by the, the Jewish calendar, the excitement and the praise that came with what he says, the keeping of the feast or the keeping of the, the festivals, the festivals of Passover and, and Pentecost and, and tabernacles. It would be like you and I getting together and, and reminiscing about our, our favorite holidays in church. Maybe it's Good Friday or Easter or Christmas Eve or, or Christmas. And the thought of these things for, for the psalmist only made him more sad. The thought of better days kind of made him more depressed. He was even more down, and it caused him to feel like like God was absent. 
And the psalmist then paints this picture for us in the first two verses, describing himself like a deer in such a need for water that it's gasping, that it's craving water. Like not your normal thirst, but like a panting, desperately needing for its thirst to be quenched. And he paints this picture and the psalmist says, hey, if you can get that in your minds, that's what my soul feels like right now. In other words, the psalmist here is in a, a place of spiritual dryness. One of those places where God doesn't feel real to him. That it's difficult to engage with his head and his, and his heart. That every day feels like a grind. That he's trekking forward but feels like he's going nowhere. And from what we just read, from what he was remembering, we obviously knew He obviously knew what it was like to be near and experience God. But right now, in the moment that he's describing to us, that's not the case. He's in a spiritual drought. And it's a reminder for us, a reminder for us today that, that dry spiritual seasons will come. That dry spiritual seasons will come. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself there, right? where you're far from home, far from worship, far from happier days, feeling like God is distant. And it may not necessarily be we're like the, the psalmist who was physically far away, but your, your head is distant. Your heart is distant. Your soul is distant. And in those seasons, right, maybe you're asking, God, where are you? And the more you think about how it used to be, the more remembering better days, the more sad you get. And and here's where I think we can take some encouragement for today, at least where I take some encouragement from the psalmist today, is that he lets us know we're not the only ones who have felt this way. That all of us have had or will have feeling, these moments of feeling distant from the Lord, these spiritual dry seasons will will come. And, And I think that's important because I don't know how it works in your life, but I know for me, here's kind of what the, the enemy does with, with me, right? He makes me think that I am the only one experiencing what I'm experiencing. I'm the only one who's struggling with what I'm struggling with. I'm the only one who's ever felt distant from the Lord, so something's got to be wrong with, with me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I know I do in my life. But the psalmist here, in his transparency and authenticity, I think I take encouragement from, he reminds us that these dry spiritual seasons are not something that are unique to us, that we're all going to go through them. And he shows us that in these seasons of, of spiritual drought, if you will, it doesn't necessarily mean something is wrong with us. That it's true, there are seasons, there are times when our fellowship with God is broken, because of some kind of sin in our lives or a need for repentance in our lives or we've chosen to make ourselves distant from the Lord. However, that's not always the case. Sometimes you are praying and you are reading your Bible, you are in community with others and you haven't done anything wrong yet you're still experiencing a dry season. That's where the psalmist is. And I think that's encouraging for us to know that we're not alone in that. And in the words that he writes us, in the details and in the examples he gives us, he draws us in and he allows us to understand his lament. He allows us to understand how he's feeling and just how is he feeling. Look at verses four and and five with me. He says, 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Verse 6, he repeats that. My soul is cast down within me. He says these same words in verses 5 and 6 here. He shares these same feelings here two more times. He repeats it again in, in verse 11. And he repeats these feelings again in verse 5 of chapter 43. And he's letting us know, here's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling cast down as if I've been thrown down to the ground and trampled on. I'm feeling discouraged. I have inner turmoil, unrest. My heart is, is broken. And, and not only is he in this low emotional state within himself, but listen to how he begins to describe his relationship with God, how he feels his relationship with God is going. It's, it's not much better. Verse 9 of chapter 42, he says, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning, he says, because of the oppression of my enemy? Verse 2 of chapter 43 says, "Why Speaking to God, why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning? Why still am I in this state of mourning because of my enemies? He's in this emotional and mental state, not just because he's far from home, not just because he's in a spiritual drought, not because he just feels far from God, but things are compounded further here, as we just read, because his enemies are after him. His enemies are making fun of him. His enemies are making fun of God. He's oppressed by them, and they're lying about him in the process. And because of this, he now speaks out to God and says, God, have you forgotten about me? God, have you rejected me? And I, I find this all interesting. Because in this current state that he's in, his emotions and his feelings, they are all over the place. They're up and then they're down. The pendulum for him is swinging from one extreme to the other. They're, they're not on the screen, but I'm going to read those verses we just read in their full context. And listen to them. Listen to how, how he's all over the place. And he's up and he's down. In verse 5 of chapter 42, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for shall I, I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God, down and up. Verse 6, my soul is cast down within me. But I'm going to remember you. Verse 9 of chapter 42, I say to God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why am I in a state of mourning? Verse 2 of chapter 43, for you are the God whom I take refuge in. Why have you rejected me? Why am I still mourning? He goes from why am I discouraged to hope in God to why is my heart so sad to I will praise God again to have you forgotten me, God? To God, you're my rock. To have you rejected me? God, you're my refuge. Right? He's on this emotional roller coaster, right? I'm good. I'm not good. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'll trust you. Do you even know that I'm here, God? Have you ever found yourself there? I mean, I, I, I know I have. Seasons of life where it's like, God, I, I love you, and God, I praise you. And then, God, sickness is running through our house. We haven't been healthy for, for weeks. I am at my wit's end. I am so worn out. God, I am barely functioning. I don't know if I'm going to make it. From God, you're, you're awesome. 
to then, God, my, my kids are off the rails. I don't know what to do. We're not sleeping. Our, our home is a wreck. Life is out of control. I think I'm going to lose my mind. I am so discouraged. God, I don't know if I can face tomorrow. You ever find yourself there? Or God, I, I praise you and I love you. But then, God, those around me are just crushing me. It seems like no matter where I turn, I'm an outcast because I follow you. I am looked over. I'm on the outside. Sadness is consuming me. Hey, God, do you even remember that I'm here? Have you ever found yourself there? I think we've all taken that ride on the emotional roller coaster that life and its circumstances bring. And the psalmist is there in a big way. And in the midst of being there, notice that he asks why. Psalm 42 and 43, the psalmist asks why at least eight different times. He's firing all of his emotions, all of his feelings, all of his questions at God all at once. And again, I don't, I don't know about you, but at times, it seems like folks tell us that we should feel guilty or wrong or less than when we pour ourselves out to God, especially when we ask God why. But here's what I take encouragement from the psalmist here, and it's this, that, that God can handle our emotions and get, God can handle our why. Let that soak in just for a, a moment as you, as you look up there. I'm gonna say it again, right? God can handle your emotional roller coaster. And God can handle you asking him why over and over again. See, not just here in Psalm 42 and 43, but in all the Psalms, they show us that there is no lament, there's no emotion, there's no cry, and there's no why that God cannot handle. That you do not have to hold back with God. The psalmist shows us here that we're not just to, to grin and bear it, but it's okay to tell God how we feel, to pour ourselves out to him, to ask him our questions, even ask him why. Psalm 55, 22 says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Lamentations 2, 19, rise during the night, cry out, I love this, pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Bible clearly tells us that you can tell God, we can tell God how we feel, that we can bring our why to God and we can unload all of our questions and all of our pain on God, that he can handle all of your anger, he can handle all of your sadness, your shock, and your fear. And you know what happens in these seasons of, of spiritual drought, in these seasons when we bring God how we feel, all of our questions, and we just pour ourselves out to God? God begins to use these seasons to grow us in our faith and to grow us in our relationship with him. That in the dryness and the drought, God is not distant. That we can run to him who says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, that I am with you always, even till the end of age. That in the midst of all of our ups and our downs, that God is steady when we are not. That the Lord does not change. With him there is no variation. He is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. That in the midst of our doubt, God exhibits a steadfast love even when we waver. The psalmist says it right here in in verse 8. Each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon us. That there's no power in heaven, there's no power on earth, nothing in all creation can ever separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The psalmist shows us that God does not want us to bottle things up with him, that he doesn't want a fake response from us. And isn't that what so many of us are doing on Sunday morning, right? We walk in here pretending like we have it all together and we don't. Newsflash, not a single one of us has it together in this room. And we don't have to pretend like we do. God wants us to run to him, to pour out our hearts to him, to be honest with him. And so the question today then for us is, is what are we to do when these seasons of lament and these seasons of spiritual dryness and this emotional upheaval in our lives or wondering why comes along? I think we see the psalmist do several things that are important and applicable to us during these seasons. We could stop and and, and look at how he desires to lean into community, right? He's desiring to worship with others again, not to be alone. Great application piece. We see him leaning into encouragement and he desires to be uplifted from the oppression of his enemies. We, We could take a look at that. We could take a look at how he's leaning into praise. He desires to worship the Lord again. But the one that stuck out to me and the one I want us to spend just a few minutes on this morning as we we close out our time together is the psalmist's desire to lean into a thirst that only God can satisfy. To lean into a thirst that only God can satisfy. And, And what is thirst? Thirst is this strong craving for something. Thirst is a craving that that drives us toward something. And you remember, in the seasons of lament and spiritual dryness, you know what happens? We're usually low, and our thirst level is usually high. Right? And it's easy in those moments when we're low and our thirst level is high to go looking for things that satisfy our thirst outside of God during that time. See, years ago, um, popular soda that we all know of, Sprite, had this slogan. And their slogan was this, image is nothing, thirst is everything, obey your thirst. Absolutely great marketing slogan. And absolutely a terrible way to live your life. Terrible way to live your life because so many things are bending our thirst in a direction away from the Lord. So many things are directing us away from God. So many things are pointing us towards stuff that that promise to quench our thirst but, but never really does. You see, here's the deal. For every single one of us in this room, every single one of us thirsts. And all of us will quench that thirst with something. And again, like when we're down, when we're depressed, when there's a dry season, right, we're here, our thirst level is is here, and it's so easy in that season to begin to turn to things like pleasure, people-pleasing, entertainment, various substances, money, power, pornography, social media, things that promise to quench our thirst but never do. 
So we must learn. We must learn to lean into a thirst that only God can satisfy. And, and I think a major thing to help us get there, a thing that the psalmist models for us is this, that we're not called to obey our thirst. We are called to choose our thirst. We're not called to obey our thirst. We're called to choose our, our thirst. Look at, remember the psalmist back in verses one and two? He's describing himself as this deer that pants for water. And the psalmist says, my soul thirsts for who? God. My soul thirsts for the living God, he says. And just like the psalmist, when we experience those dry seasons and that, that drought and that distance, it's more than just going and obeying our thirst. It's choosing to aim that thirst in God and to allow God to quench that thirst. Jesus in the New Testament himself says in John chapter 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus in his conversation with the woman at the well in John chapter 4 says, Everyone who drinks of this water, speaking of the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Know what Jesus tells us, what he's saying here? Jesus is giving us an open and free invitation to come to him, to choose to direct our thirst in him and him alone. Because again, it's not a question of if you will thirst. Everyone will. All of us do. The question is what? Maybe more importantly, who will we choose to quench our thirst with. The psalmist, again, he aims this thirst at, at God. He directs his thirst at God. In verse two, he says, my, my soul thirsts for you, O God. And in verse five, he directs it at God and says, I hope in you, God. In verses five, 11, and, and again, verse five in chapter 43, he says, I shall praise you, God. My salvation is you, God. See how he's aiming it and he's directing it at God constantly. My salvation is you, God. He says, God, you're my rock. God, you're my refuge. I will go to your altar, God. We're not called to obey our thirst. We're, we're called to choose our thirst and to aim it directly at God. Now, I want to say this. Does this mean we've got a quick fix in those seasons of, of dryness and those seasons of lament? Not necessarily. Sometimes God has those seasons to last a long time in our lives because he's teaching us something. But what we see today in choosing to aim our thirst at God, to lean into God, is that we begin to move ourselves and point us in the direction at God, toward God who is our provider, toward God who, who is our protector, toward the author and the finisher of our faith. So as we close today, when seasons of lament and dryness come, in the midst of all of your questions and all of your doubt, in the midst of the turmoil and the pain, what is quenching your thirst? Who is quenching your thirst? What is your thirst aimed at? The psalmist in his lament here teaches us that we're not to back away from God. Rather, we're to lean into God to lean into God in a way that he can only satisfy. Knowing that he's gonna use seasons of lament and seasons of spiritual dryness to grow us in our faith 
in our relationship with him. So I want to ask some questions for you to reflect on as we get ready to leave in just a moment. How is God speaking to you today? How is God speaking to you today? Maybe today it's just simply knowing that you have permission to lament to God, that he can handle it today. Maybe for you today it's aiming your thirst at God. God says you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Maybe today it's praying for God to give you a greater thirst for him, learning to lean into him. Maybe today it's simply crying out, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe for someone today it's turning to God through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and drinking in the free gift of eternal life. Because I want to remind all of us, it was Jesus who experienced the greatest moment of distance from God the Father than anyone else in the history of mankind when sin, the full weight of sin, all of our sin was placed on his shoulders on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me, right? Reminds us that Jesus understands our lament better than anyone. That you can turn to him today for your salvation, for your strength, for your comfort, and for your refuge. Because the seasons of lament, they, they will come. Spiritual dryness will come. God can handle us when they do. God will use them to grow us in our faith and our relationship with him. And when they come, I want to encourage all of us, lean your pain into him. Lean your doubts into him. Lean your struggle into him. Choose your thirst in him. And allow God to quench your soul in a way that only he can. I'm going to pray for us in, in a moment, and I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and, and come back up on, on stage. They're going, to, they're going to close us in a song. Um, but here's what I want to do. I've been praying about this today. Um, I'm also going to ask our Next Steps team uh, to kind of come down. Um, if two of y'all can kind of come to this side of the stage and two of our Next Steps team can kind of come down to this side, down at the bottom on the floor, that would be great. We're going to close in, in this song in, in just a moment. Um, and here's what I want to invite you to do. Um, you see some of our team members down here. If you're struggling today, if, if it's a season of lament, if something's heavy on your heart, if someone's heavy on your heart and you need, you need prayer, Right? You just want somebody to pray with you, to pray over you. Right? I, I want you, in, the, in this last song together, I want you to come down and, and allow them to pray for you. Allow them to spend a, a few moments with you. And listen, this is a time to throw your pride out the window. Okay? The enemy and your, your pride is going to tell you, I can't move from my seat. What is everyone going to think about me if I stand up and someone knows I need I need prayer. No one knows what you're getting going to ask for prayer for. I don't want you to stay seated if you need it. 
I want you to come down and I want you to meet with folks. No one, again, no one here has got it all together. We are all going through stuff. So allow some of your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. Lament together. Don't do it by yourself. Call out to the name of Jesus together. So why don't we stand right now? And Ben and the team, they're gonna lead us in this song. But again, I want you to come down We're going to sing the song. If the song stops, keep praying. It's okay. I'll close this out. You just stay as long as you need to stay. So as we begin, go ahead, make your way to one of our team members. They'd love to spend just a a few moments with you today. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would move in us right now. That, That there are people here that need to be prayed for today, Lord. And I pray that they would not stay in their seats in just a moment that we would be reminded that we are not to do this alone, that we're here for one another. And so, Lord, I ask that you would move in our hearts today. God, I I would ask that you would show us that you can handle all of us, all of our questions, all of our faults, all of our failures, all of our emotions, that we can turn to you, Lord, and you are faithful to never let us out of your hand. You are faithful to walk with us. You are faithful to use the most difficult moments of our lives for good and to lead us and draw us into to greater faith and a greater relationship with you. So would you do that this morning? Move in our midst, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.